Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Brand is fun. It's at the rock and roll end of the marketing spectrum. Brand can put you front and center of someone's mind. It can endear and align you with your buyers, and it can help to move from customer to champion. But how do you balance it with demand? How do you turn brand into revenue? I'm Joe Glover. I'm the founder of The Marketing Meetup. It's a community of 14,000 marketers around the UK and established very much on the basis of looking after each other and uh, just looking at marketing in, in a way where the humans come first. I'm Richard Wood. I run the marketing agency Six and Flow. I've worked in marketing for around about 18 years now. And I'm a massive believer in that people should be trying to engage with people on a human level, not just treating people as leads and numbers in a spreadsheet anymore. It's the never-ending argument any marketer will face. How do you justify brand spend? Stuff that you may never see a direct ROI from. And when does this stop mattering and a direct return have to come? All right, Joe, I'm going to ask you the difficult question first before you have a chance to ask me. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> what is brand? What are we actually talking about? <laughs> so are we going to differentiate between brand and branding? So, um, Well, I do think they are different things, yeah. yeah. Me personally, I think they're different things. I think branding makes up part of brand. Yes. I was about to go into a riff about what I thought branding was there, but I'm going to leave it with you, Joe. What's brand? <laughs> so I guess like as a point of differentiation, then branding would be like a, a visual identity. It would be um, how things are communicated. Yep. It would be um, the language we use, the, the messages we get across. I'd say in this context of this conversation, when we speak about brand, we're speaking more about brand spend too, I think, and brand activity. I'd, I'd probably layer those two things probably, in. So. Like brand awareness is probably where what we're going to talk yeah. about, I think, sits most of. And yeah. like for me, like brand is quite often <laughs> how I see it is uh, I, I would say more about the perception of of your business in somebody else's mind. And I think we could. I, I know we've definitely talked about brand um, plenty of times, but it comes back to that whole like you don't actually own your brand. Your brand is made up by what people think about you. Um, you can obviously support that and there's activity that goes off about it. But I think that's more the spectrum of where we're talking about. I, I agree with like brand identity and all that kind of stuff are, are part of that mix. It helps facilitate like all the, the nice bits about brand. But for this today, I think we're going to talk mostly about brand awareness. All right, then. Yeah. So what's what what's demand? <laughs> so demand would be, um, it would probably sit more in a, I guess demand would probably, if we were applying a, a traditional marketing funnel, it would be more around the consideration stage stuff. I, I would kind of say, um, you know, there's there's a market out there of people who would like to eventually purchase your thing. Uh, um, so they're, they're the next level below just being aware that you exist in the first place. Um, that's probably where I'd sit on it. How about so you? 
for me if if brand is like i see and i'm not saying this is necessarily the right kind of definition of it but the way that i see it is brand is about making people aware of your business and them Mm. understanding of like who you are what you do and how you do it and then demand is about actually changing that into people having a demand for the services or things that you're you're buying so you've taken from awareness to like you were saying consideration and then through to purchase that is the demand piece for me so and that part of that not all of it but part of that would be lead generation um like all of the kind of the 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 nuts and bolts of marketing that starts that journey from awareness through to revenue coming through the door that for me is the demand slice of the cake okay so if if that's the case then that's presumably also the part where sales come into the mix as well um in in the demand side because are you including the purchase process within uh, demand or are you so like the actual contracts being signed you know the the you know whatever emails that happen between a salesperson and um the customer or does that stop at the point where sales take over so to speak so that's that's definitely one of those how long was a piece of string questions like it very much depends on like your sales process and what you do at the back end typically mm-hmm. i would say like shit around the the um uh like contracts being signed and kind of like the actual admin pieces around sales probably not but then again you may have a sales process that you still need a heavy element of nurturing and kind of like marketing support and that back end piece. So potentially, but I would say that's normally outside of the remit. Um, one of my favorite questions to ask though, like when we're speaking to like prospects and clients is like, can you actually give me a def- definition of where marketing stops and sales starts? And I think that's like a, a blurry line that I think people find it incredibly difficult, especially now to put their finger on and say, okay, here's, here's where we consider this marketing activity because marketing activity now is is your sales uh, is your sales collateral considered marketing activity do they own it do marketing own the brand do sales own the brand like where does that all sit so i don't think it's a clear-cut line anymore and i think that's also why you're starting to see the growth of like chief revenue officers over like cmos and um like sales directors and things like that so I, it's too difficult to like for you to say okay where where does marketing kind of fit through on demand is it through the contracts i don't think that's clear cut i would say generally speaking no yeah that's that's really interesting though isn't it because i guess that kind of fits into this wider discussion which is that for a lot of marketers and it being 2020 where budgets are being slashed and there seems to be less uh tolerance perhaps for slightly more quote-unquote fluffy activity everything seems to have to have a direct line between pound spent three pound back or whatever it is then uh that's sort of sits at the crux of what we're going to be speaking about today really that um you know is is there a place for brand-based activity brand awareness-based activity in 2020 it's funny isn't it so like i did a, a linkedin live with dan kelso on friday um so for those of you who don't know dan heads up an agency called offended and they do a lot of brand work a lot of communication work and a lot of it is it, it's designed to in some aspects like shock and awe and he was saying that their business like where where a lot of agencies have been struggling his business has seen the other like on the other way and they're, they're healthily growing and he's got some great prospects and some great customers on board but he was saying that a lot of them now are going well a lot of our marketing is so fucked we need to do something that is outside of the norm we need to then bring through um, elements that may have that shock and awe elements to it because we need to be different because what we're doing is not working so Mm. I, i totally agree with you like 
typically speaking, when people are struggling, they immediately go, okay, we need to know where every pound goes, what's happening with it, what are we doing? And what is it bringing back in more importantly? But the other element or the other side of that coin is that actually people are people are struggling and starting to realize that actually potentially there's other ways that we can approach this and we're seeing the same thing with a lot of our like bigger project pieces so like crm rip and replacement that's a big project or big website projects they are big projects that have the ability to potentially disrupt what's going on within the business but it's almost my hunch on it is that people are approaching it with a well, everything else is fucked. We might as well break that as well and then get everything moving for when everything gets back online and we start trading properly again. And I think, so yes, I think there is a battening down of the hatches, but I also think that there's people who are becoming more more open to trying different things in the same guise as well. That's it. It, it feels like it's, you know, I've only been in the marketing industry for, it'll be coming up to eight, nine years now um, this year. And even in my time, I've observed the pendulum swimming, uh, swimming, <laughs> swinging <laughs> from like directly attributable marketing activity through to being more tolerant of brand-based activity, which is a slightly less clear ROI, um, but you know it does something. And inevitably, the answer is that the the right answer probably sits somewhere in between. You know, I, I think you know you kind of need to be doing both. Um, and, you know, to your point about battening down the hatches and this realization, it always also sort of feeds into that uh, when everyone else is zigging, you zag yep. thing. And and probably you'd make the argument that if you've got money right now and, and the ability to do it, which not everyone does, but um, because everyone else is battening down the hatches, then there's a new opportunity right now that brand-based activity could be more effective than, you know, the beginning of the year or even two years ago. Um so that that sounds quite interesting as well you know that feels like an opportunity um for, for marketers but that's so that and like i totally agree and like you and i have spoken about this before at the beginning of um like pandemic time frames we we were both talking about the fact that people should potentially ease off of the demand like the direct demand gen activity and focus more on brands because mm-hmm you're able to humanize a lot with that you're able to like actually show people that you're there to help like that kind of stuff and it it solidifies your brand and helps you will help with the demand stuff later down the line now what i think where we are now is i think that we've kind of come through that cycle and you're absolutely right we need to have a balance but i also feel like that balance should shift periodically as well so I don't think it should always be a nest like let's say for example the perfect mix is a 50 50 mix between the two i don't feel like it should always be a 50 50 split i think at some points you're going to go actually we really need to tone down the demand or we need to tone down brand or whatever it is and then like the world changes things move on or you have a new product category or something like that happens then you flip it around the other way because i think one of the and what what sparked the the question that we've got for this particular um, episode is we both know somebody who is doing some incredible brand activity, and we're but there's there's no there's no real demand activity aligned with that. So the brand activity incredibly strong. Most people within their scope would have an understanding of who they are, have probably seen one of their videos. But my question to them is often, okay, now what? What are you going to do with that brand awareness? How are you going to change? take that brand awareness and turn it into revenue because for me if you are doing 
brand awareness and there isn't a wider strategic goal off the back of it. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying you necess- I'm not saying you have to go in with a mindset of okay, I'm going to spend ten thousand pounds of uh, money on ten thousand pounds of money. I'm going to spend ten thousand pounds <laughs> on activity to support the brand, and with that, I'm going to earn fifty thousand pounds back. I'm not mm-hmm. saying you have to go in with that mindset, but what I do think you have to do is go okay. I'm going to spend ten thousand pounds on um, brand activity which is going to open up this market and grow this awareness so that i can then do this with it that we can then convert in this way and grow our revenues leading up from that and that's where i feel like sometimes things are missed when people start talking about brand it's almost like an either or they don't think about it from a, a, a strategic marketing point of view it is okay we are going to grow brand yeah but now what are the phones ringing or is it just uh, like that? I think my fear quite often with, and I'm not suggesting like the person, like the company that we're talking about is doing this, but my fear is that a lot of brand campaigns run the risk of being intellectual masturbation on mm-hmm. some level. So yeah. it's kind of like brand for brand's sake. Yeah. Look what we've done. Yeah, but it's, it's classic strategic marketing, isn't it? You know, and, and like, I don't think it's the be all end all answer, but I think with the marketing life cycle, breaking it down into awareness, consideration, purchase, retention, advocacy at these stages, in effect, you are saying uh, this activity will move people along, you know, to another set of activities, which will be further along, which gets them more likely to purchase. Now, how you define that purchase can be, doesn't have to be in money terms either. So for example, with the marketing meetup, then a quote unquote purchase right now is attending a webinar. You know, that's that's our conversion that we're looking to drive. When we introduce our memberships in January, then the webinars will actually move further across or further up the funnel, so to speak, into like a consideration-based activity. And then uh, the memberships will be the purchase sort of stage. Um, and then there's a secondary sort of life cycle, which runs alongside that for the sponsors, for example. So um, for those folks, it's like an awareness that the community exists, but then the consideration or a, a lower level awareness based activity is, um, oh, wait, I can sponsor this, you know, and, and then that starts. So, you know, you can have several flows within your business that work in a way, um, but as long as it's got that that strategic initiative behind it, that sort of that flow so i think to your point about intellectual masturbation it is that point where you're just doing something for the sake of doing it without necessarily considering that next step it does have sorry just to just to finish off that not everything has to have a call to action though so um you've got to have a wider sort of balance in mind you know it's not just this one activity has to go to this next step it's saying well this you know this three-month campaign that we're putting together is eventually going to lead to this next step and the micro moments along that way may not necessarily have a call to action associated on every single one of them so you know it's always a balance that it's not it's not saying you have to do this you have to do that it's just like being aware of the wider purpose of activity really helps ground marketing activity and purpose rather than uh just activity for activity's sake i guess well, i think that, that there is a flip side to it as well is like with demand gen is some of the most successful demand gen campaigns that i know have been driven by brands like there was a found, foundational brand element and then a supportive uh, brand element 
while those uh, demand gen campaigns are going. And I think when you have brand that's supporting like clear values or um, direction on like the the stuff that people become to associate with a company and really like builds that brand championing element to it. I think once you have the those brand pieces in place to support that, the demand stuff gets so much easier. Yeah. So one of the one of the things I was talking about with um, so coming back to this the company that we're talking about, one of the things I was talking about with the CEO was that once you you've got this brand audience, like people know who you are, but how do you actually then take that from they are aware of you? but are they necessarily aware of what you can do for their business? They are aware that you guys can, you can create great content and that you are there, you have helped build yourself a, a, um, a segment in the market and like people associate you with that thing now, but what can you do to get it from that to actually revenue coming through the door? Because revenue is, like I don't care what anybody says, revenue is the most important statistic that a marketer should be focused on. Um, and I mean, we can healthily debate that, but you'd still be wrong. So, <laughs> um, and how can you, from that perspective, if you're if you're not if you don't have the mechanisms in place to turn that brand into demand? So, if you don't have like the 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 consideration or decision making elements of content in there, for example. How are you then going to turn that into a, uh, a customer? Or are you just hoping that brand is going to help them get you across the line? Because some of the content that you see on the internet is great and it will help you, um, it will help you make a decision around something. But mm -hmm. actually when you are in a competitive space where there are, this company, there are competitors to what they do. They are by no means the only ones in the market. Mm -hmm. How are you going to take your your content that is loosely positioned around that market to then say, okay, this is the right software product for me. I am going to purchase that. So that's, so, and, and the prime example would be HubSpot, right? Yeah, so <laughs> HubSpot is a SaaS business. Um, for those of you who don't know HubSpot, and I'm pretty sure everybody will, um, marketing automation, CRM platform um, that can like support your sales and marketing kit. And, they their content is very much about solving for the marketer. What is the marketer's challenges? They've got a lot of educational content, but then they have the mechanism to say, okay, you are now aware of HubSpot. So you've you've read one of their blogs, you've seen one of their their webinars, their videos, something like that. They they don't do in terms of like these kind of eye catching brand campaigns. That's not really them. They have a big format event which would have a similar kind of exposure, but exposing themselves to the market isn't the same space as these uh, this company now but what they do have is the mechanisms once that initial brand piece is done through either the hubspot academy through education or the blog or some of their uh, events they then have content that is built around the um consideration phase so they would then be talking about okay here is how HubSpot has solved for this problem. Here is how HubSpot has solved for that problem. So it's starting to paint the narrative around what each other and those have done. Then they've got, when you start to get to the decision-making stage, they can then start to say, okay, here is what HubSpot has done for this company, for people in your sector. And there's thousands of them. You can go through it and you can find whatever sector you're in, there will be a case study for that. And what I feel is missing for this brand, they absolutely nail the brand awareness campaign. 
it's funny, people understand it, uh, like as in they understand it from their brand positioning and they've yeah. built that out well. But what it doesn't have is the almost like that segue from there to actually getting somebody to purchase because people, if you're aware of them via those videos, you are, you're aware roughly what sector they work in. But yeah. most people may not have an understanding of okay, what do they do in that sector? How does their software work? How does their software solve the challenge for companies like me? Why should I be looking at them? And I think that's the piece that's missing. And I think when people look at brand campaigns, they often look at it from, uh, I think like a lot of them will still be looking from like, just get the logo in front of people. That's all we need to do. I don't like for me, that's shitty branding, like shitty brand campaigns because it is, just getting a logo in front of somebody, yeah, it can help because there can be some um, uh, uh, recollection or like there's some an awareness there when you start to do the rest of it. But actually getting a logo in front of somebody isn't good enough to make them want to engage with your business. There's no association to your products, how you solve, or actually the people in your business. And I think that's where, I think with with the company that I'm kind of using as a reference and trying desperately not to use their name is where they've gotten it right is that they have shown a personality through their content. Like this is, um, they are quite tongue in cheek. They're not mm. afraid to ruffle feathers in the market. Mm. And I think that kind of space that they're selling into, that fits really well for. Spot on. It's, um, you know, it's, it's well, as you were speaking, it, it also struck me that this is how you justify any spend to the ceo as well right you know the perennial question that um that folks ask when when um <laughs> when attending marketing meetup events is how do i justify this to the board or how do i justify this all to the ceo and and awareness-based activity is going to fit you know so the example that we're giving here the marketing manager or or uh, the the target market for them um, we'll see the content, they'll resonate with it, they'll understand uh, that the people exist. But the thing that's going to be get, getting the budget across the line is going to be those case studies in the HubSpot example. It's going to be those whatever it is to, and, you know, the mechanisms behind it as well. So the sales process, et cetera. So um, you're just spot on in so many ways that this is the answer to the question of how do I convince my CEO to engage in marketing well, you provide them a line uh, to revenue, which is based upon activity, which is awareness-led and then consideration-led. Um, but the justification for the awareness stuff is it will eventually end up with revenue. Um, but you set a separate metric against that activity, which is, but in the meantime, we're going to get X clicks to the website or uh, a thousand signups to the email address or, or uh, to, the, to the newsletter or whatever it is. Um, so demand-led activity, I think, has probably had, or sorry, um, brand-led activity over time has had this reputation of kind of being able to stick your finger in the in the air and say, yeah, you know, I, I've got a gut feeling that this is going to work. And and there is some activity which I think can still be justified uh, to a certain extent, like printed materials, for example. You're never really going to be able to say that T-shirt I gave out is necessarily going to be the route to the sale. But what you will know is that eventually, you know, those those folks will convert uh, convert 
so long as that awareness-led activity had purpose. Do you know what I had arrive at my house yesterday? My first piece of branded swag for 2020. Did so you? I had, I had somebody actually reach out to me and say, like, um, I can't, they asked for my address because they were going to send me something and I can't remember what it was, but they've sent me a branded T-shirt and I'm like, this is amazing because all of my other gym T-shirts I've had to buy this year. <laughs> so... It's so true. Who who was it from? Crossbeam. Nice. Well, there you are, Crossbeam. Yeah. <laughs> Way to my heart and the podcast. Send yeah. a swag. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to have to Google them now. They're probably like some horrible organization that you're associated with, but <laughs> hopefully not. I'm sure they're very no, nice. No, they, they are very nice. Jesus joke. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think so to like answer the question and, and actually, actually, before like coming on to the answering the question bit, I think did you hear um, Mike Volpe's interview with Dave Gerhardt a couple of weeks back now? So mm-hmm. one of the points he made, they were talking about. I think somebody somebody had asked the question like, how do you um, how do you justify brand to a CEO? And Volpe's point was, don't like if you're if you're having to justify and kind of build out a case for brand to CEO that CEO probably doesn't get it or it's not high enough on their priorities list for it to be worthwhile. And a lot of businesses, like particularly at the smaller end of the scale, a lot of businesses, brand is probably not the first place to start if you're trying to build that revenue mechanism. And I think quite often with marketers, probably the best place to start is do the stuff you've been brought in to do and then start to go with the like the more idea-driven stuff yeah. that might not necessarily have a uh, like the ability to give you like kind of guaranteed target return yeah. so if you're if you're planning on doing a brand campaign and you haven't like you haven't got the board on side with it yet now your targets get yourself some leeway and yeah. then bring in those elements so like we've built this base here's the foundations now if we could build brand around this I think what we built there will be have a like a 10, 15, 20% uplift just supported by the brand activity as well because people have that rec- recognition of who we are. Yeah. And we'll also have all these other avenues that we can start to open up because we will have that brand entity as well. So that's probably like how I would start to position that message if I was going to go into a boardroom and, and kind of pitch brand work. Yeah, well, it's, it's about trust, isn't it? You know, and, and so I, I always come back down to uh, when you are going into these conversations, if you can argue the numbers, if you can't argue your numbers, argue uh, the examples. So of other people, if you can't argue the examples, then argue the logic. So we think X will happen because of Y. And if you can't argue the logic, then argue the magic because it does exist from time to time. Um, but no, I, I think you're spot on that um, within all of that is an element of trust and you only earn trust through doing a good job based on the job that you were asked to do in the first place. And uh, that's, that's, um... I might, I, I might just be saying this because I like to disagree with you from time to time. However, <laughs> I don't know if like, I think I would probably argue the magic first. Like, would you? For, yeah. To, to a CEO? Yeah, well, like paint, paint the picture. Like you want to paint the narrative, the picture, like why are you even arguing these numbers? Let's, let's talk bigger picture first. And then yeah. I'll prove it with the numbers if I have to. But yeah. ideally, what I want to do is go in there and give you the narrative, the story, and embed what we're talking about in your brain. Because yeah. then the numbers are irrelevant. Because I've yeah. already kind of, I've already painted that picture for you. Your 
emotionally invested in that and then the numbers are just the kind of the icing on the take cake so but i mean i'm aware like sometimes things will come down to cold hard numbers but ideally you want to stay away from numbers particularly if you're a marketer who is reporting into a board the last thing you want to do is have this big number hanging over your head that is brand related because i don't care what people say like brand brand is not like it's difficult to be definitive in terms of what it's going to give give you back there is a lot of assumptive guesswork that is based around brand and like don't get me wrong you can definitely be along the lines of like i i know this is going to be successful because we've done this research we understand the market this messaging resonates and blah 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 but until you've actually gone through the like that you could be totally blind by blindsided by something that you are totally unaware of your competitor could launch a similar brand same same time frame global geopolitical events could be kicking off like all of these things can damage those stuff whereas the the flip side with demand you've got the benefit of once it's up and running you can very easily go yep 10 pounds in equals 100 pounds out and then we can easily start to scale off the back of that yeah no i you know i I definitely take that logic I, i think that's a fair thing to say um i guess that will often come down to who you're speaking to as well so i'd argue that you're to a certain degree quote unquote enlightened you know, you, you live and breathe marketing, whereas someone who's got a more finance-led um, view on the world may be more receptive to those kind of arguments. So you've got to treat those boards, whoever they may be, or, yep. you know, just your colleagues as a target market in themselves, I guess. Oh, um, yeah. Like, I would never try and sell the dream to the FD. No. Like, the, <laughs> the FD, it's like, you're going to spend this, and we think we're going to get you this back. Yeah. that's. Yeah. I mean, that's as far as that conversation needs to go. They don't, <laughs> frankly most of them don't give a shit what actual activity you're going to do is it going to make money yeah yeah very very true yeah yeah so in in that case it's just back down to smart strategy you know and being able to draw that line even without uh yeah yeah no draw out stages for them um or not for them for you let me ask you so marketing meetup 2021 and Mm -hmm. you're launching the uh educational piece like the the training stuff in January 4th, you committed to, I seem to remember. And it's not, it's not going to be January 4th. <laughs> oh, first hurdle. Um, so, uh, like, how how do you envisage growing that? So, I think we've got an existing base. So, this is, is reasonably interesting in the sense that we've got a large community already that we can go out to and say, this exists. So, in the context of this discussion, we've got a bunch of people who are already brand aware and you know i I wouldn't necessarily say they're in the consideration stage yet because they don't necessarily know what we're going to be offering but we'll be able to move quite a few folks into that space quite quickly one would think um so does that mean you're, you're planning to focus more on the demand element then well Partially. I mean, it has to be a simultaneous activity. It's a, it's a balance, right? As, as we said at the beginning. So, but you already um, have brand. We have an element of brand, um, but I don't think you can turn off awareness and just you know work on those 20,000 people. I think we've still got to see the folks, you know, bring in more folks. So, for example, at the beginning of this year, we had 11,000. Now we're near to 20,000. It would be, be, you know, it's foolish to stop doing that activity. So the activity that will... Uh, drive more awareness-based activity will be stuff like the webinars now. 
so whereas they were a conversion before they moved to like more awareness high level uh, consideration based activity um and then we moved the other folks you know if if they'd like to um into the the purchase stage for the membership so that's um how the shift of our existing activity sort of moves across and up um in a sense in terms of like what we do with our existing audience then we'll probably start with our main channels which will be email social and, and my personal brand um but then i'm planning and, and only half planning on this it, it um is more of like a monzo kind of model into the membership and i don't know why meetups going into banking <laughs> yeah yeah it's a real side sideways jump but like the word of mouth thing is really how the marketing meetup has grown over the course of time. It's people telling people. So an idea, and I don't know whether it's a good one and it's certainly not something we're definitely going to do, but you know, whether we could give four referral codes to uh, a limited audience to start off with. So a group of say 500 people, give them four referral codes each and say, if you like it, you know, bring someone in and uh, you know, sort of make it a bit more, I don't want to say exclusive because we're not about excluding other people, but certainly, you know, you feel part of something special and therefore the value is is perceived to be uh, something decent and um, they've got the prompt of the referral codes. Um, I did exactly the same thing. I subscribed to Masterclass today um, and uh, they're doing a buy one, get one free presently. And so I've given my code to someone else. And if it's really, really good, then the product stands on its toe in two legs. And in a year, they're going to get 170 quid from the person who I've just introduced into the network. You know, so hopefully through the sort of network effect, then that's kind of how it grows out. But um, we'll see. I mean, we'll be making it up as we go along as well. I think that's the important thing to say as well. You know, we'll, we'll figure out things as they, as they work. You've also got, so you, you have brand for, uh, like existing brand presence and awareness for the meetups right mm -hmm. but you are also now diverging in product set and mm -hmm. you're moving from a free to use to a pay to use model as well yeah so you have tmm has brand awareness but mm -hmm. it for free events but it doesn't have necessarily brand awareness or association with the paid for education type yep. stuff Definitely. so i think you are going to have you do have brand awareness so you have like people know the logo people know that they want to engage with you they are receptive to your messaging great mm -hmm. now so i think with that audience you're going to have to work to show them that there's a new entity so i think that's where like you can focus less less on the overall awareness and more mm -hmm. on the consideration and decision you can kind of almost like jump a phase because you can then like you can introduce what you're doing to them you can nurture them over a period of time and give them examples of like like the copy uh, not the copy the content so like here's some example videos like mm -hmm. you could put my face on all of these emails that would yeah, probably yeah. help um <laughs> and then like so that that's how i would approach like your initial audience and just introduce them to this is still us but here's a new element to it. That's fairly simple. Yeah. Then I think where the challenge for you is going to come is do you then move your brand awareness stuff to be focused on like on which element or both? So do you have like an overarching TMM is like we're training and events 
Or do you have TMM events and TMM training? Like, how are you going to split that out? And how are you going to promote that? Or are you going to continue? Like, so many questions, Joe. Are you going to continue <laughs> with just growing as is in terms of like your audience with come to the free webinar? Are you basically going to have a, a classic online educational funnel come to the free webinars? Yep. And then you go into a nurturing cycle of becoming of like this educational package. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, it, it will be exactly that. I think as much as anything else, you know, the core of my business has been built on, you know, inclusion and, and welcoming people in and stuff like that. So it would be, it would go against the spirit of everything we've built to date to say, you know what, no, we're going to switch, you know, flick a switch and we're going to move to just a, a paid model and, and you can't come in anymore because you haven't given us your money. You know, I, I don't want that to be my business. You know, I... I want people to be able to enjoy it if they can. So I think there's a, there's inevitably like a moral um, decision that's involved in any corporate decision as well, you know, and any marketing decision. And um, I say it's the human element that comes into all of this, right? So with the marketing meetup, then there'll definitely be a free element. I think the likely scenario is the stuff that we offer for free today will eventually go behind a gated uh, thing after a certain amount of days so for example you can attend a webinar for uh, you can attend a webinar for free uh, you can access the content for a week and then it goes behind the, the, the gate or, or whatever it may be um, so folks can access everything that we've done to date uh, forever but there will just be a, an additional layer on top for the folks that want to engage if they if they'd like to so yeah i mean it's going to be a real journey you know and, and i expect the conversion numbers actually to be quite low to start off with because as with any organization that interacts with a large audience there is a core of people who are far more engaged than the others you know other people drop in and out so it's going to be a journey over time rather than flicking a switch and expecting everyone, all 20,000 to become members. What you need as quickly as possible is to get the human face on it. So like the the testimonial content, like yeah. people in, talking about being engaged with it. And if you can start to build that content into your nurturing sequence, mm -hmm. you'll start to get that kind of community effect and like the FOMO elements coming through in the marketing. So yeah. I think that's if I were to look at what kind of content you need, other than like obviously the educational content, what yeah. kind of content I would focus there first is like find stuff that like people saying nice things about being part of this educational piece. Mm -hmm. You don't have that to begin with unless you've yeah. got some like beta testers going through it, but you can have, you can use people talking about being part of TMM and why they're excited to be part of this new entity that's launching. Um, and you can use those brand cha champions. So like that, that hardcore that you've talked about, Mm -hmm. They would love to be engaged. And Absolutely. I mean, as as much as swag is a, like a watery connection with somebody, just giving them some sort of like founding member yeah. T-shirts that they can wear with pride. It's the same thing that Peloton did with the uh, 100 ride T-shirts or what. I don't even know if they still do that anymore. Um, but and park run as well. Was, yeah, exactly. exactly. Because it becomes, yeah, it's it's simple, but it's it's one of those things that becomes such a badge of honor because the people engaged in that community knows know what it means. Mm. And I think if you were to have that kind of element, yeah. and when we get back to live events, and even on some of the digital events mm. where you can be calling out people who are wearing these t-shirts, and yeah. like, I know you don't want to feel like an exclusive community, but you want there to feel like there's almost like, 
an elite level of engagement within that community that people get rewarded for. And that rewarding can just be a pat on the back and a, well, hopefully a t-shirt for the back. But like <laughs> that's, um, that's where I'd start to look as well because then you get these brand champions who will proudly walk around wearing your swag. HubSpot do it, Drift do it, Vidyard do it. Like every company we work alongside, it's a big part of their branding play. And as, as much as people are like, oh, it's just swag, yeah. I, I don't care. Like it, I honestly feel like swag has a bigger impact on some of like the the sales and marketing decisions that people make than people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Because like I wear, I, I literally do not think I have any t-shirts I own that aren't either like partner branded or six and flow branded. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. we'll test that shall we <laughs> oh no wait wait i am wearing an england, england rugby shirt. top today but other than that it's <laughs> like it's, i'm a walking like, billboard well that's still an example of someone being in the club though right an england yep. an england shirt is you walk down the street and people know that you're a rugby fan you know that's, yeah, it's that's england cool. rugby not england football not chad so, <laughs> i say sat here in my hat and white socks so but but that's like and what you've done though is you've taken somebody who is in a position of influence within a community and you've turned me into a like sometimes unwittingly brand champion of your brand because i'm wearing it like even if i'm in the gym so we just talked about crossbreed turning me a t-shirt i will probably wear that as a gym t-shirt yeah. But that's fine because that's another audience that I will be in front of. Like people will see this. People respect, some people respect my position within the community that I work in. So they will see that as an association. Like, because you're probably never ever going to find me wearing a Marketo t-shirt. So, yeah. although I do have a Marketo drink bottle. Marketo's drink bottles are pretty good. It's probably the only reason I'd go with their software, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know whether we're in that territory now which is going to be more heavily edited than <laughs> oh no, no it's fine I'll, I'll stand by that one <laughs> right joe i think we're starting to waffle a little bit now yeah do you think no, do you think we answered the question yeah i think so i, I think i think actually uh, as a process then i probably entered this conversation with actually a reasonably unclear idea on how one justifies brand activity or indeed uh, goes about it but i feel like i've left it in a better place we should just call it joe learn stuff joe, joe learn stuff <laughs> joe learns from rich sometimes <laughs> rich is mean to joe a lot of yeah. the time <laughs> i don't think i've been mean to you at all in that that episode no you're right we haven't finished yet but you've gone soft right um as ever please leave us a five-star review it makes it means the world to joe and i um like generally we we see them we screenshot them send to each other um i think joe prints them out sticks them up on his gratitude wall behind him and (laughs) um and thanks thanks for coming yeah thanks for coming and if you enjoyed today's episode then be sure to drop me a message rather than rich because everyone just drops rich messages <laughs> yeah so if you are still listening please somebody send joe a, a nice message saying how much you enjoy the, the podcast because for some reason everybody sends them to me and then i have to send them to joe and joe gets a little bit upset by it so please send joe a nice message about how you've enjoyed this podcast <laughs> i'm clearly that needy <laughs> see you later Hi. <laughs> 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.